0: Welcome to the Azure podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji Demello, Kendall Rodin, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at Azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast.
1: Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 428. Today we have a special guest, uh, repeat guest, uh, Asira Sagasingh, who's going to talk to us about a topic, well, something related to Java. We know when we have Asira on the, on the, uh, on the show, it's going to be something related to Java. Uh, he's our uh, Java expert that uh, has been on our show many times before. But before we get to him, let's quickly talk about some of the news that hit the Azure space this past week. I believe, uh, Kale, you put a bunch uh, in there. Do you want to get us started?
2: Yeah, sure. I just have three things here today. Um, The first one's around, um, I didn't even realize this was a show. Maybe we've talked about it before, but there's this series or group of things called uh, Inside Azure for IT, which are these uh, kind of fireside chat Series um, uh, that include all kinds of like video and audio and things like that, but they're uh, basically talking about some of the uh, innovations that are being driven by industries in Azure. Um, and there's a couple of them called out here um, around some of the you know Hollywood type stuff uh, for the animations and visual effects uh, and how they're using Azure to do that. Uh, including some things around Star Wars and things like that, which is pretty cool. And then um, some stuff around NASA's you know jet propulsion lab and and some other things around you know self-driving cars and things like that uh, that are being you know kind of used to Azure. so it's pretty neat. Um, I didn't even realize there was a series out there, so if I missed it, I'm sorry guys, but uh, it was uh, they're pretty interesting and they're relatively short. Uh, like our podcast, they seem to be you know like 20 30 minutes. Um, some of them are even shorter, so it's pretty cool. Um, the second thing was around responsible AI investments, and this was one from a, a product manager on the AI team in Azure uh, talking about some of the, the core priorities of the team and some of the principles around this responsible AI standard uh, that's being been, you know, talked about from Microsoft for quite some time as well as other companies and talks about some of the new limited access policies and the classifiers that they are using inside of AI to remove sensitive attributes and things like that in the data. And for those who don't know, this is around things like making sure that we don't um, expose or leak, you know, PII data as we're using these advanced kind of AI systems, uh to give customers and partners you know the solutions that they can build on, so it's pretty cool stuff. um we should probably have those folks on the show here soon. I don't think we've talked about responsible a i we talked about a i but um this one specifically around those standards is pretty neat mm-hmm. and the last one sorry this okay, sorry, thought I heard something there uh the last one was around um i o t Um, And some new, I was talking about some of the enterprise level uh, IoT capabilities that's been, you know, IoT is not a new thing to Azure, but with the edge and the different things that are coming with AI related to IoT, um, there's a lot of different, you know, new things that we've kind of built there. One of them is around just the processing, the ARM64 processors that are available there. But it goes down even to like some of the stuff we had built before with the MCUs, uh, Azure Sphere, that people had used before, and the real-time operating system stuff um, that was uh, kind of announced at Embedded World, uh, which was a conference, and talking about you know basically these kind of miniature or small computers and these things that run at the edge for IoT and how those can be paired with Azure services to provide a complete solution for that. So pretty nice stuff there as well in IT.
0: That's
2: it. Awesome. Thanks, Kale. Cynthia, what do you have?
0: I have one around the Azure Data Explorer connector that is now generally available through a number of our local platforms. So that includes Power Automate, Logic Apps, as well as Power Apps. And the cool thing about these Azure Data Explorer Connector is that now through flows or through your logic apps or through your power apps, you're able to execute KQL queries on your cluster. And you can obviously set up a number of different conditions, whether you want to run it on the scheduled task or you want to trigger it with some reasons. That way you're able to automate a lot of your alerts and notifications to query whatever data set or whatever sets logs that you're looking at. And it also integrates with a number of different Microsoft third party services using your Azure Data Explorer. So definitely take a look at that.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Uh, I have just a few. Uh, one is uh, Azure Databricks. Uh, you know, the service we all love uh, is now available in some new regions, uh, specifically Sweden Central and West Central US regions. So glad to see that uh, being uh, adopted in all over the world. And uh, another one of my favorites here is Azure SDK for Go is now reached general availability, and this is particularly good for all of us who are building, uh, let's say, extensions in uh, Kubernetes or uh, any language that prefers GoLang uh, as an option. Now you have uh, you can build all those utility style applications using Go uh, and targeting Azure. And then uh, finally, there's a whole slew of updates that came out for Azure load testing. Uh, and these are two things like uh, allowing splitting of input data across their various test engines. So you could kind of send some data into this engine, some to that engine. Uh, the, you can now provide a user-specific JMeter settings that allows a lot more configurability. There is uh, support for customer managed keys. There's support for user-assigned managed entities now. And also uh, my favorite feature is a quick start uh, test with uh, just any web URL. You just got to point the, to the URL, and it'll create the test for you automatically just by navigating that website, which is, I think, you know, uh, would make it really easy. You don't have to write the the script for the JMeter tests uh, manually. Is a so lot of cool stu- features in JMeter?
2: Yeah? Is that stuff only in like DevOps, uh, Sajid, or where's those? Where do you, do users that want to take advantage of this load testing stuff? Where would they go? Is it Visual Studio? Is it DevOps or is it pure Azure? It's uh, primarily
1: used in the portal in in Azure. So you kind of it it basically allows you to act, uh, to get all the features of JMeter in 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 Azure itself without having to install the whole JMeter environment in your cool. own DevOps. So yeah, and once you set up those tests, then you can execute them remotely, right? You could call an API to say you know, run this test for me and it will go and run the test uh, all the cool. entire GMX file automatically for you. Sweet. Great. Well, uh, that's a good uh, round of updates. So let's get back to our special guest, Asir. Asir, thank you again for rejoining us on the Azure podcast. Uh, haven't spoken to you in a few months, maybe, or I don't know. It's been, <laughs> it hasn't been that long since you've been on the show. Uh, but I know you're, uh, you know you're still continuing to be very passionate about Java on Azure, and I was wondering if you could give us any update uh, in terms of your look, your role in Azure or in the product teams here.
3: Sure, thank you. Thank you everybody for having me. Uh, I'm also uh, at Microsoft. I'm on point for everything developers need to build, migrate, and scale Java apps on Azure. I'm also a Java dev. I started in 1995 with JDK1 and have been having an amazing time with Java ever since. Java and Azure is a ton of fun because we are working on many, many exciting things to deliver to the customers. And you probably, if you're on LinkedIn or Twitter, you probably see us uh, push from multiple channels, uh, many new things coming from Azure. It's exciting time for Java and Azure.
1: Yeah, you know, I spend a lot of my time in the FSI space, the financial services industry, and uh, Java seems to be the predominant language there as much as I would like for them to use .NET as well. They all seem to yep. <laughs> have uh, Java developers, and uh, it's nice to see you know, that my Azure, I think is starting to have that breadth of uh, support for Azure, for Java across all of its product lines, right? Including from SDKs right. to uh, various services. Uh, give us a kind of a flavor for you know, how things have been progressing since we last had you on. I think we last talked about uh, Azure Spring Cloud, I believe, uh, with you and uh, you know, what's the state of the union as it relates to Java since then?
3: So Azure Spring Cloud is now called Azure Spring Apps. We have many tiers. We have basic, standard, and enterprise. Uh, we can talk a little bit uh, later about the details. In app service, uh, we now have support for JBoss EAP as a, as a managed offering. So our developers do not have to worry about Running infrastructure or running app servers, all they have to do is just simply deploy their WARs or EARs and everything else is managed in the cloud uh, for them in, in Azure by Microsoft and Red Hat as well. This way our developers and customers can simply focus on their business and not worry about the underlying underlying plumbing details. Now we have container apps. So container apps is an exciting one for Java customers. So any customer who like to deploy their containerized image not worry about the underlying Kubernetes or the underlying infrastructure or worry about any of the SLAs underneath it, it's a great destination as well, right? Now, um, at the virtual machine and AKS level, uh, we have worked with uh, companies like IBM Oracle and Red Hat to make sure that compliant, supported, fully supported by Microsoft and these partners, uh, solutions are readily available for our customers. For example, you can run WebLogic in virtual machines. You can run WebLogic in AKS. These are now supported offerings by Microsoft and Oracle. You can run WebSphere traditional on virtual machine, and you can run the WebSphere Liberty on Azure Red Hat OpenShift. Uh, Similarly, JBoss EAP, you can run JBoss EAP on virtual machines, as well as running JBoss on Azure Red Hat OpenShift. These are all fully supported offerings by Microsoft and VMware. So there are many, many advancements also on the libraries front. Azure SDK for Java has released many, many, many iterations, and you would see that life for Java developers becomes easier and easier. On the Spring on Azure integrations, we just released Spring Cloud Azure 4.0, which is a significant, significant evolution from what we have been supporting as 3.0. So many, many tools tools also on the way, like uh, we have added Gradle support. Um, We have added many features in VS Code, IntelliJ. I think the lineup is pretty large. There are many, many, many uh, engineering teams engaged to ensure that developer experience, the server-side experience, and full support is available for Java on Azure.
0: Asira, you just mentioned that there are a number of different destinations that our customers or our developers can deploy their Java apps to. then comes the question of how does one decide where to go, given where they start from? And is it from what you've seen so far? Do a lot of people, quote unquote, migrate from one location to another, or do they also modernize um, in the process?
3: It is a combination all the time, right? So when we talk about we generally use the word app modernization. App modernization has many elements, right? Um within those elements, one of them is typically an upgrade, right? The upgrade could be upgrade could be at the OS level. Let's say they're running SUSE 12 instead of SUSE 16 or Rail 4, right? So the operating system, then the JDK. Uh, probably they're running JDK 6 instead of 8, 11, or 17, right? Um, so or the, when they're running their Spring Boot, they're running their Spring Boot 1.x or, or um, JBoss EAP App Server 5.0 instead of 7.x, right? So there is an upgrade element. Right. They have, they can upgrade at various levels, whether it's operating system or JDK or the app server or the libraries, right? So all of those, there's an upgrade element to it. That's the first element. Um, the second element is transformation, right? So many of our customers are involved in transformation. They may have a plain old Java object, but they want to transform it into a Spring Boot app or a Jakarta EE app application, or they have COBOL programs running in mainframes, right? Um, and these these COBOL programs, they can turn it into, transform it into a Spring Boot app or, or a Jakarta e or Java e application, right? Some of the examples, uh, we even released a, a great customer story at the Spring One conference is Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley was uh, running... Uh, COBOL programs in mainframe and as part of their modernization they transform them into springboard application right So this transformation element is pretty popular and many of our systems integrator in the java ecosystems are helping our our customers right, to, to run these transformations. For example, HCL, Infosys, TCS, Wipro, many of these partners. You would see plenty of stories if you go to customers.microsoft.com. So that's the second element, right, after upgrades, transformation. There's a third element. The third element is now that they have uh, an upgraded, transform or a clean, already clean running uh, application, um, they can migrate. So that's the third element of the modernization. They're migrating from on-prem to the cloud. Uh, so here, most of the time, our customers, when our developers, when they decide on, there's always many, many factors that go into it. It could be a cultural thing, it could be a strategic thing, um, or simply asking questions like, hey, do I do I need infrastructure control? Do I have people to manage and run the infrastructure? If you answer no. I only have a small team, but I have a big business to achieve, then simply worry about the apps. And that's where we have platform as a service where Azure spring apps, app service, all of these offer many possibilities for you, right? But on the other hand, if you come to the conclusion, I need infrastructure control. And now you slide on to, what is your preferred technology maybe your preferred technology is Kubernetes, or your preferred technology is openshift or hey i just can live with virtual machine right so you can make that choice based on your technology preferences right um, so these are some higher level questions that they can ask to think about the third element which is the migration then we have the fourth element which is the most important element And that goes to now that you have your application up and running in the cloud, it is like a promised land. So in the promised land, you can do more, right? So optimization could be, I want to manage my secrets using Key Vault. I want to manage my certificates using Key Vault. I want to automate end-to-end, whether it's provisioning, building, or deployment. I just want to automate end-to-end. I want to monitor end-to-end, right? All the way from... Um, the request that is coming in from your mobile machine all the way to the back of the system I want to monitor end-to-end. So there are many like high availability, disaster recovery, um, security, complete, like everything uh, you can assume the security posture that offered by Azure by taking advantage of several security things, right? So that's part of the optimization. So there are four elements, right? You upgrade, you transform, You migrate and you optimize these four elements um, goes back to your question, Cynthia, And, and there is a place for everything on Azure that our customers can play with it. Our developers, our partners and our service teams. It's a big ecosystem. It's a it's a great time for Java and Azure to participate
2: in all these elements. Yeah, going along with that, uh, Sierra, I, I was wondering, like, from the tooling perspective and uh, kind of the latter stuff you were talking about there, there's so many different, like, things, what well, you call it, the promised land there, like, when you're in Azure, right? Like, we have all kinds of messaging technology and data storage technologies and all this kind of stuff, right, that's kind of outside of the application, but they provide like unique value. I guess the question I have is like for a Java developer who doesn't know Azure, right? Uh, They just know about their application. How do they discover those kind of things? Um, Does any of the tooling kind of help them understand what options they got there, you know?
3: Uh, True, yeah. I think what happens there is once you bring the application, typically your application carry dependencies on data, cache, messaging, uh, eventing, and directory, right? These are... Many of these are breathing lines for the application. Now, these applications can continue to connect with on-premise systems, particularly when there are too many dependencies on your, let's say, IBM DB2 running on-prem and there are many applications depending on it. It's not that you can just um, migrate that DB2 into Azure. So you can run it for some time until all the apps are coming to the Azure, right? So you can always connect. Now, when you have systems where all self-contained dependencies right Um, or you reached a point where you can migrate all of them Uh, when they come to azure um, like if you're using spring boot or java e when you're using bs code or intellij there will be some suggestions given to you right so now that's one way of one way of picking up but the other way is uh, whenever your app is talking to on-prem there's always latency Right? And you'll also have to negotiate your bandwidth through ExpressRoute or whatever connection that you have within your company. Uh, but on the other hand, we if you, you can extend your Java or your Spring Boot app uh, to take advantage of super scalable services that we have on Azure for data. We have SQL Database, MySQL, Flexible, Postgres, Flexible, Cosmos DB. There are many options there. When it comes to Redis, Uh, Cache, you can run your own Redis Cache or take advantage of Azure Redis Cache, uh, which is available across the globe. So similarly, Service Bus, Event Hubs, Apache Confluent, Cloud, uh, MongoDB, Atlas Serving offering is there, right? So many, many offerings. So that's why you can extend your, we typically use the word, you can extend your Java application to take advantage of super scalable services that we have on Azure for you.
1: So so why is it that we don't offer DB2 on Azure? Would you just... <laughs> if all these customers are using DB2, why is DB2 not on Azure yet? I don't understand. We'll just get all these customers migrating tomorrow.
3: I think that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I asked that question. in
1: jest, by the way. <laughs> I couldn't help but ask it when I heard you say right. about DB2. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, hope, uh, I'm hoping the DB2 team is listening to us. Right? It's a great opportunity. I think uh, they, they have the several data packs. So I think it's a great opportunity for IBM to run DB2 on Azure, right? That way our customers can take, leverage, and, and, and extend their applications. Yeah, I agree with you. And Azure is a great place for all our partners, right? So. Yep.
1: Now, but I, but on a more serious note, I did hear you mention about Java support on VMs, AKS, on Azure Container Apps, things like that. And I'm just, you know, the, uh, I guess I'm just wondering, like, you know, these things can run. Uh, you can, you can, you can always run Java on that, right? What's what's like special to say, oh, you know, we support Java on these things. What what did we have to do to make Java run better in these environments?
3: so every environment right um let's say app servers as an example right to to make uh, java run we each of the offerings there's a managed offering like we have java sc tomcat and Red Hat jboss aap so for each of each of these offerings right um we have to make sure that there's a rhythm in which we pick up the updates and keep it current for our customers so that when they deploy, it is always up to date for them, right, for any of these. Now, for Apache, we Tomcat, we work with the community. For Red Hat JBoss EAP, we work with the Red Hat JBoss team, right? Now, then, when it comes to a platform as a service, When we tell the customer, you don't have to worry about the app server or the underlying machine, you only have to worry about your application. That means we have done all the plumbing necessary to all the way to the bottom to bolt it down, right? Uh, And be clear on where it is extensible, uh, where it is not extensible, right? Uh, uh, Particularly when we are managing it for them, right? Uh, And that clarity helps them to figure out how to deploy their application, right? Right. So we have teams, big big size teams, just focused on managing these for them so that we can support them and, and our customers can take advantage of them.
1: So it's every great. service,
3: there'll be a lot of work like that.
1: So, you know, let's focus maybe on the uh, Spring apps, right, which is kind of the new, new kid on the block. Well, not only the new kid, but the newly renamed kid on the block. Uh, so give us an idea as to, you know, why... Uh, why that service was uh, uh, was renamed, and then what's the new SKUs that you talk about that are available there?
3: Okay. So Azure, if you if you are familiar with the service, it used to be called as Azure Spring Cloud. Uh, we just renamed it to Azure Spring Apps. It was announced by Scott Guthrie and Julia Lison at the Bill conference. So why did we rename it? Right. So The service has expanded in scope. When we started, we started with standard. Now we have basic standard as well as enterprise. Three tiers are available uh, today. And as part of those expansions, we have delivered a ton of functionalities, right? And our customers are also running various types of Spring apps, right? Whether it is a traditional Spring Boot app, Spring Boot REST API, Spring Boot Reactive REST API, Spring Batch Processor, or the Event Processor. So our customers are running varying types of Spring apps, right? So to better reflect what is happening and what we deliver, uh, we just rename the application as services, Azure, Spring Apps. Now we have three tiers. Uh, Standard is where we got started and then we added basics. So it's uh, slightly limited so that your dev test can go into basic, right? Now in enterprise, what we did is we added even more features to improve your productivity. So there are lots of ready-to-go-to-production features in enterprise. And we also added... um, runtime support. So with runtime, for example, if you are building a Spring application, the Spring application will have some dependencies. Most of these come from our open source ecosystem, right? Now, so when you have these dependencies, you're going to depend on the open source support model, right? So now we have added app-level runtime support for you, so you can leverage the support and the experts from VMware and deploy your apps in confidence, right? With a lot more confidence, right? And also the support window that offered by OSS is is, uh, they are shorter windows. So when you get the commercial support, as you start using Azure Spring Apps Enterprise, you're entitled to commercial support. So when you get the commercial support, your support window is longer. So you can update and upgrade at your own pace as opposed to shorter windows, right? Um, So that's, those are all big pieces in Azure Spring Apps Enterprise.
0: Are there specific workloads that Java or Spring is really good for if from a developer perspective, I'm coming into this net new and I need to pick up a new programming language or learn about a new framework, what are some things that I would need to consider, or that Java is really good for?
3: So, in the cloud, server-side applications—that's where the sweet spot for Java. Now, that's a pretty, pretty broad category. Um, now, Java is used in all parts of life, um, different all parts of the industry as well. Whether it's for financial tech or scientific or running your inventory system or your order management system, retail, logistics, pharmaceuticals, you name it, every industry, it is there. Um, The key thing is the server-side applications, right? Now, even within server-side applications, there are many, many, many possibilities. I'll give you one example. Um, I've seen a broad use of implementing REST APIs, or event processors, if it is event-driven systems. Um, So it is pretty broad. Um, It's not like I can name one or two, that's where it excels. Uh, But server-side, writing server-side applications, right? uh, Using Java is very, very, very popular in the industry. And that's why Java on Azure is a great, great program for hosting many of those server-side applications.
1: Yeah, see another thing I saw. I think at build is uh, a lot of talk about this. Uh, was it Tanzu? The Tanzu uh, build system that's used in uh, Spring Apps. I was wondering if you could tell us a little more about that and how uh, is that from VMware? Is it uh, Tanzu or?
3: Yeah, I think one of the one of the pieces that we included in the in the Azure Spring Apps Enterprise is the Tanzu build service, right? Now, Tanzu's build service is a bit special. Now, the way to think about it is um, you have um, the build packs built by CNCF, right? Um, Cloud Native uh, Foundation. Now, those build packs, um, those are specifications. So it can be implemented by many vendors, right? One of the implementation is by VMware. It's called the VMware Tanzu. Uh, service. So the Tanzu service is actually Tanzu service is actually bolted into the Azure Spring Apps Enterprise as a managed offering. So you don't have to do anything; it's just available there for you. With that, you can deploy and manage any type of Spring and polyglot applications. Polyglot applications are like uh, whether any general purpose Java, Node.js, Python, Go, .NET. Um, wiring up all your application performance monitoring, everything can be handled by Tanzu, Tanzu build service. Now, You know, in, in organizations, uh, when they containerize, they typically write a Docker file. There are many ways to write a Docker file. So if you have 50 teams, 50 teams will are going to write 50 different ways, right? Whether it's the starting point, base image, or loading the packages or configuring those packages, configuring agents, placing the actual binary, starting the binary, parameterizing those binaries, right? There are, if you have 50 different teams and there are 10 different things that I just talked about, you can have n number of combinations. So you have to, if you are if you're somebody who is trying to manage that source to contain a strategy, you will have to think through and come up with some policies, governance, enforcement, uh, learnings, and continue to update it, or you can take advantage of Tanzu Go Service, which is actually running millions of millions of builds, and all the expertise is already burnt into the service. And you don't have to worry about how to write your Docker file. All you have to do is, when you're deploying a Spring Boot app, just simply deploy your jar, or just show where the code is. It'll build up and build the compliant OCI image, and keep the OCI image always up to date as well. Okay? So that's where the beauty of Tanzu build service walks into Azure Spring Apps Enterprise.
1: That's great, and I believe in the in Spring Cloud, uh, I believe underlying there used to be a couple of AKS clusters. Is that still the case with uh, with Spring Apps? Is that similar infrastructure under the under the hood?
3: It is still the there's no change in the underlying infrastructure. The underlying infrastructure is Azure Spring Apps is built on top of AKS. Each service instance has two Kubernetes clusters, and they're all fully managed by Azure Spring Apps and are fully abstracted away from developers. And the service runtime elements, like, for example, load balancing, log streaming, custom domain, or many, many of those service runtime things, they're all running in one of the clusters. In the second cluster is where the apps are running. From there, the apps can talk to any Azure service, external systems, on-premise systems, your logs, metrics, everything is available on Azure Monitor. You can pick it up using any platform and tools of your choice. Um, You can secure using your directory of choice, including Azure Active Directory. You can automate end-to-end using any platform and tools of your choice. You can develop your application, deploy your application using any development tools of your choice, whether it's VS Code, IntelliJ, Eclipse, Maven, Gradle. Uh, you can provision using any of the tools, right? So it's pretty, pretty open to make sure that we are able to accommodate our customers' preferences, any preference. Yeah.
1: And did they uh, eventually, or are there plans to integrate uh, Spring Boot Admin with uh, with the offerings that we have? I know that was a, a an ask that uh, came up uh, in a in an engagement that I had before.
3: <laughs> right. So there is a product called Application Live View, uh, which is mm. the which is the newer inc- incarnation of the Spring Boot Administrator. So in the Azure Spring Apps Enterprise, as part of uh, delivering all the productivity and production level features, Application Accelerator. Will be available as a managed offering sometime this fall, so you don't have to do anything. Just <laughs> it'll be there, and it'll be uh, it'll be very familiar, just like the way uh, you saw in that project, Sajit.
1: That's great. And you know, one of the concerns early on was uh, you know, Spring Cloud was uh, kind of expensive, at least in the standard tier, for someone to get kicking the tires a little bit. Uh, I'm assuming that the basic tier is uh, has got a cost-effective uh, starting point now.
3: Yes, I think when we first got started, we had 16 cores and 32 gigabytes as the base unit. And you can keep on adding how much ever you want, up to 2,000 cores and 4 terabytes of RAM. Um, we reduced that to 8 cores and 16 gigabytes. We're going to further reduce now to 6 cores, right? and that will come out shortly. But right now, it's already uh, lower than it used to be. Uh, I, I'm hoping that eventually it'll go down to zero.
1: <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah, you can imagine having a serverless version of uh, Spring apps. that will be cool. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, this, this has been great. Uh, Asir, thank you so much for the uh, complete rundown on all the latest on the Java, Spring, and mm-hmm. Azure. Uh, glad to see that you're still... Uh, you're you know, it's still the master in that domain. <laughs> <And> you, <laughs> you, uh, you certainly uh, have a great passion for it. So uh, it shows uh, when you talk about it. Any more questions for us here before we let them go, guys?
2: No, this was great. Thanks again, us here for updating our our, our viewers or listeners uh, to this. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you.
1: And uh, we'll take any updates that you have. We can put them in the show notes if you want to have any links and whatnot. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly add them in for our listeners. That's good. Great. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.